One of the goals was to find an ancestor who had fought in the Revolutionary War and to become a member of the DAR, the Daughters of the American Revolution. And so I worked on that quite a bit, and I found an ancestor. From the Times of Northwest Indiana and NWI.com such podcasts, you're listening to Byline. The podcast that looks at the paper's most fascinating stories and the reporters who tell them. I'm Kale Wilk. I'm Andrew Jones. And this week we'll be meeting a reporter whose work goes beyond the byline. And he was paralyzed from the neck on down. I spent the better part of a year covering Frank's story. In May of 97, I followed him home. And we'll talk to a woman who works to unearth new secrets. Uh, I'd corresponded with her that I was a member of a group called Unclaimed Persons, uh, which is a group of volunteer genealogists who work with coroners and medical examiners across the country. Yeah, most definitely. Could you start off just by saying uh, your name and what you do? My name is Joyce Russell. I'm a reporter for the Times Media Company. Joyce Russell is a historian in two senses. First, she's a newspaper reporter, and she has been for the past 37 years. Um, I love talking to people. I love telling, being able to tell their stories. There's quite a few that, that I, I think I'll never forget. But a recent twist of fate gave her the opportunity to become a historian in the more traditional sense. On the side for the Times, I write a blog called Remember Your Roots. I think there's a, a good connection in storytelling and genealogy. Genealogists are collectors of data, we collect stuff. But what we should be doing is collecting stories. That's right. Joyce, even though she's a veteran newspaper writer, is a genealogist. A genealogist blogger, to be precise. That's because, a year or so ago, our editor Summer Moore encouraged writers to pick up a topic that interested them and start blogging about it. Joyce chose family history. Thus was born Remember Your Roots, a veritable treasure trove of reminiscences, investigations, and pictures all created and curated by Joyce. It's one woman's journey into the finer details of the people who shaped her life today. I like to think of um, my ancestors and what it was like growing up in the time period. This episode is just a little bit different than most of our past stories because we want to help you get to know Joyce and Joyce alone. Her experience and her wisdom are everything you'd imagine about somebody who's been helping others get to know this area for the past four or so decades. She's picked up a story or two from that job, like this one about a man who left a mark on his community. Probably the most memorable story. Uh, there was a firefighter by the name of Frank Gilbert. Frank Gilbert was in the back of an ambulance transporting a young lady who had overdosed on drugs to the hospital in downtown Valpo. On the way there, the ambulance swerved to avoid hitting a dump truck, hit a tree. Frank ended up breaking his neck and he was paralyzed from the neck on down. I spent the better part of a year covering Frank's story. In May of 97, I followed him home, and I can remember coming home to Portage, and I drove him downtown, and there were people lined up on the street. He had a very inspirational story. And 
we came home and a month later he got some sort of infection and he died. That was one of the most difficult things I ever had to cover. 3,000 people came to his funeral and the funeral procession was nearly four miles long. By the time the first car got to the cemetery on the other side of town, the last car was leaving the high school. It's just, he was just a tremendous person. But her new public journey into the world of her family's past has been just as fascinating. You start with yourself and you work backwards and you start with gathering information. And it's a long process. And perhaps, ironically, part of the process of research for these projects is newspapers. Newspapers are one of the greatest resources for genealogists. They're a wealth of information. Plus, when you're trying to build that story around the data you're collecting, they give you context of what that person's life was like in that time. If one is to begin building the family tree, where do you even begin? Joyce has consulted with some human sources for information, one of those being... My name is Linda Herrick-Swisher. I am the Public Information Coordinator at the Hammond Public Library, uh, which means I do community relations, uh, work on social media, edit the newsletter, um, a lot of other miscellaneous stuff like that. I'm not a librarian. I don't even pretend to be, but I am a genealogist. Uh, have been doing this for 30-odd years. And so Joyce wanted to come in and look around, and she'd also heard, uh, I'd corresponded with her, that I was a member of a group called Unclaimed Persons, uh, which is a group of volunteer genealogists who work with coroners and medical examiners across the country. And when the coroners and medical examiners may have someone that uh, they have identified, they have the remains of, uh, but they want to find family to notify them of the death. Um, they're unable to find family, so in many cases they will turn the case or submit the case to unclaimed persons, and um, this group of volunteer genealogists uh, will get the basic information, usually a date of birth or parents' names or something like that. Linda is one of many in a vast network of people and organizations that can help find genealogical information. As examples, Lynn is also a board member of the South Suburban Historical and Genealogical Society west of here in Hazelcrest, Illinois. There's even a Northwest Indiana Genealogical Society. And just about three hours east of us in Fort Wayne, the Allen County Public Library has a genealogy center with one of the largest collections in the world. Genealogy has a far reach, and actually quite a number of applications, like Linda's work with unclaimed persons. They can work alongside attorneys, they're involved with DNA research, they get contracted by governments, and much more. A quick search on Google, and you can pull up numerous online resources to read or use for help. But whether the search for connections is professional or personal, sometimes things get tricky. In the 1980s, I had asked my father uh, where his grandmother was born. We'd always heard her name was Margaret Donnelly. She died somewhere around, you know, early 50s or something like that. Dad was not too specific, couldn't remember. And I uh, asked one of my aunts, where was uh, Margaret McCabe 
what was her maid, her married name? I said, where was Margaret McKay buried? She was buried in St. Mary's Cemetery in Evergreen Park, Illinois. And of course, since you really couldn't bury in the city of Chicago proper, there's a lot of cemeteries in the southwest suburbs. So um, finally found the one that had her. And I went in there and I asked them one day in the 1980s, did you have Margaret McKay buried there? Well, they had two. And further investigation, one had a stone, one did not. They were both in their mid-70s, these ladies were, when they passed away. They both, uh, upon further research, lived in the same general neighborhood in Chicago. Uh, they were buried exactly one year and one day apart, and they both had the same funeral home. And I thought, wow, if that kind of coincidence can happen, what else can be found? And coincidences like that are much more common than people would think. There's a number of resources genealogists use other than the internet. In order to solidly verify family tree connections, they can use things like birth certificates, marriage licenses, and the U.S. Census. But here's a catch. The last national census was taken in 2010. So if you think you can use it to check and verify names, well, you can't. Believe it or not, there's a thing called the 72-year rule, which says the U.S. government will not release personally identifiable information until 72 years have passed since that census. So right now, the most recent one you could use would be from 1940. Privacy, of course, it's, it's an issue, and nobody wants to uh, do anything to hurt uh, the privacy of anyone living, steal identity, any of that stuff. This is one of the many issues that genealogists can meet which they call encountering a brick wall. But there's ways to get around them, such as the fan principle, friends, associates, and neighbors. Many times there are some states where uh, you have to prove direct line descendancy to the person whose record you want to get. And sometimes, you know, you may be a great niece or a nephew or, you know, some other collateral relative. Sometimes it's not your direct back, 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 great, 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 you have to look for. It's their sisters and brothers and their nieces and nephews and stuff. And it's called the fan principle. Joyce may have talked about that. Friends and family, associates and neighbors. And a lot of times your ancestor didn't leave squat in the way of records, but they did about your ancestor and you clue in from there. So, you know, some people find a lot very quickly. Some people it takes a lot longer. And you can stop at any point. You don't have to trace everybody. Uh, when the trail gets cold, or you can just pick one line. It's all up to you. But I think a sense of self is, is a cool thing to have. I think the hobby is a cool thing to have. I think the DNA and the different online things that are coming along are, are great things. Uh, and we're going to see a whole lot of changes in this field within even the next five years, I would think. The hunt for answers has not only gained Joyce readers and followers, it's also led her to some fascinating discoveries about the past. This was the question we were most excited to ask because we knew it would reveal some sort of story. And we were not disappointed. One of the goals was to find an ancestor who had fought in the Revolutionary War and to become a member of the DAR, the Daughters of the American Revolution. And so I worked on that quite a bit. And I found an ancestor named Michael Broyles. He was my sixth great-grandfather. He was actually drafted into the Continental Army twice. He fought the first time for in the Virginia militia. The second time he was called up for North Carolina, and he paid a gentleman to go to war 
in his stead. And I found out that his grandfather, Johann Broyles, came from Germany in 1717. And he had wanted to settle in Pennsylvania. Well, there were 49 people who got on the ship Scott and Captain Talbot was to take them to Pennsylvania. Well, Captain Talbot owed the Lieutenant Governor of Virginia money. So instead of taking this boatload of German immigrants to Pennsylvania, he took them to Virginia, where my ancestors spent seven years as indentured servants paying off the debt. And I thought that was, and then you, you see that, and frankly, two generations later, you have a guy in, you know, the grandson is in fighting for the, the revolution. This story may be among her greatest and most interesting discoveries, but it's only one of many stories that Joyce has unearthed in her exploration of the past. And as you've already heard, she's not telling her stories alone anymore either. People like Linda read Joyce's work and help her out with the details. One time, a reader even helped Joyce to identify a nameless face. It was a photo of a, a woman taken probably the turn of the century, and on the back of it, it just said, Mom died, uh, the date was in 1924, age 64. And it was another one of those head-banging things that I've been trying to figure out who the heck this woman was. And I had a lady who read the blog, and came back to me and said, this woman is Rebecca Miller, and she solved my mystery. And come to find out that that was my second great-grandmother, Rebecca Miller. As much as these discoveries are at the center of what Joyce does, she doesn't treat her genealogy writing like just another thing she does. Her work stretches into the past, but she sees it as something very important to her life and the lives of her loved ones right now. And, and that brings me to another thing which which is something I'm just doing and I think is very important for all genealogists. We're so concentrated on the past that we need to think about the present. My fourth grandchild is on the way. I often think about what are they gonna know about me? And I think it's just as important for us to write our stories as it is for us to dig up those before us. Because, you know, my grandkids, I didn't pick up this, this hobby until I was in my late 40s the first time. But when they're in their 40s, I won't be here. And what will they have to remember me? And I think it's really important that as a genealogist, you also write your own story. Genealogy involves looking behind. It's like retracing your footsteps. Except you're not the one who made them. In looking at our pasts, we might see ourselves differently. Because the story of our family is the story of us. It makes you question, it makes you search. I think, speaking for me, when I tend to look at that, I realize the ways in which people are all connected more than the way people are all different. And you see the connections and you see how things spread throughout the country and how everyone's interconnected. And it makes you perhaps a bit more um, empathetic toward different peoples um, because 
you could be connected to them, you know, for one generation or another, or through a quirk of fate or somebody not making a boat uh, to come to America, you know, you could be in a very similar situation. But it's fun, and I think a lot of people, I mean, it's just, I look at my, what I know about my family history, and it makes me kind of proud, because if what I think is true is true, my family story is the story of this country from some of the very first settlers who came here in the 1600s to some of the, the, you know, the immigrants who came in here in the late 1800s and settled. I mean, it's just, just amazing. And if one of them had taken one misstep, I wouldn't be here. When you think about some of your own attributes, you know, where did they come from? The nurture versus nature. And you look at some of the trials and tribulations of your ancestors, and you think, you know, maybe I got that from her, or maybe I got that persistence from him, or um, you know, I don't know. It's just that connection that I think is important. My children are, are 31 and 28. And when I first started this, it was like, you know, they'd roll their eyes, they'd listen, they'd roll their eyes. And one of my projects had been to put together a book, family history book, and I was able to go for each of them um, eight generations back. And when I gave it to them, I was shocked that they actually, you know, my son sat there and went page by page and loved it. My daughter was showing it to all of her friends. She lives in Indianapolis. And in fact, when I was down there, she was going to get her friends together because they wanted me to give them a lesson on how to do this. Byline is a production of The Times of Northwest Indiana. You can find more episodes at nwi.com slash podcasts, as well as all the latest episodes that come out each Monday. You can find Byline on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Type in NWI Byline in the search bar and we should pop up. You can also download our episodes to your media player of choice via iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Just be sure to leave us a review. It really helps. We also appreciate constructive comments and feedback as well as suggestions for topics you'd like us to consider. Drop us an email at nwibyline at gmail.com. Reporting for this episode came from Joyce Russell, as well as Andrew Jones, and myself, Kale Wilk. If you'd like to read more of Joyce's Remember Your Roots blog posts, they can all be found at nwi.com slash blogs. You can also follow Joyce on social media for all the latest. We'd like to thank Linda Swisher at the Hammond Public Library for taking the time to talk with us. Also, a big thanks to the show's creator, Summer Moore, the Times Digital and Audience Engagement Editor, who is our pilot that always helps bring these episodes safely in for a landing each week. I'm Andrew Jones. I'm Kale Wilk. And from both of us here in Northwest Indiana, thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you next week.